Welcome to HCMA Off the Record, your behind-the-scenes look and listen into the world of emergency management. This podcast is brought to you by Muriel Bowser, Mayor of Washington, D.C., and the District of Columbia Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency. From preparedness tips to intra-agency coordination to advice from the men and women responsible for protecting the district, HCMA Off the Record shares it all. Whether you're an EM nerd like us or learning about emergency management for the first time, come along for the ride. Well, welcome, everyone, and uh, welcome to the next edition of HCMA Off the Record. Uh, today, I'm joined by a very special guest, um, Mr. Jim Schwartz, who's the Deputy County Manager of Arlington County. Um, he really is one of the region's uh, most respected and top leaders and someone who a lot of folks in the National Capital Region really look to for guidance um, and for expertise in the range of emergency management. So thank you very much, Jim, for joining me today. No, it's a pleasure. Um, Jim, what I wanted to start off with was, uh, for our listeners, is to get a sense of um, your career and sort of what brought you to where you are now, uh, again, as a Deputy County Manager for, for Arlington County, sort of what brought you here, and um, can you talk a bit about your career? Sure, sure. Well, I uh, I got started in the fire service. Uh, I actually did three years as a federal firefighter uh, at Fort Belvoir before being hired on to Arlington. And honestly, I joined the fire service um, with the idea of spending my work life, uh, as I like to say, crawling down smoky hallways and helping sick people. Um, and as my career got started, I started to look around and think about, um, you know, what other aspects of emergency services were of interest. And I had the good fortune of having some great mentors, uh, some great um, people to, to guide me in my career. And uh, everywhere I turned, there seemed to be opportunities. I could still do the, the fire and EMS stuff, but, um, I was part of the, de- the leader, the leadership for developing our hazardous materials program, uh, part of the leadership that developed our technical rescue program. And then in 1995, um, the world was sort of awakened uh, to the aspect of terrorism. Uh, we had been looking at terrorism uh, in the fire service a little bit. Gary Breeze, then the executive director of the International Association of Fire Chiefs, was encouraging the business to look at terrorism, largely through the lens of the Middle East, the the Israeli experience. So we began to look at some of that, and then in 1995, we had not not only the Murrah building bombing in Oklahoma City, a tragic uh, event of domestic terrorism, uh, but we also had the uh, sarin attack in the Tokyo subway. The uh, Amshinrico religious cult mixes up a batch of homemade sarin or sarin-like brew uh, puts it in plastic bags, carries it into the Tokyo subway in the early morning rush hour, pierces the bags, um, by some estimates killing 12 people and certainly sickening hundreds if not thousands. And that event really got our attention. Um, so much so that under the auspices of the Council of Governments, we wrote a letter to the President of the United States. We wrote a letter to President Clinton to say, if that event had happened here, uh, we're just not ready. We don't have the training, the equipment, or the knowledge necessary to deal with that kind of, uh, of an incident. And the president responded. The president directed the Department of Health and Human Services, ultimately the U.S. Public Health Service, 
to work with the Washington metropolitan area. And from that came something that at the time was called the Metropolitan Medical Strike Team, uh, fire EMS law enforcement doctors and nurses who were specially trained and equipped to deal with um, then chemical incidents, radiological incidents. And from that uh, evolved a national program called the Metropolitan Medical Response System, MMRS, which then was replicated in 124 cities across the country. And it was that, uh, you know, sort of point in my career in which the value of regionalism um, was heightened. Uh, my understanding of how people with different backgrounds and uh, different expertise had to come together to solve complex problems. And um, it's the area where I focused much of my professional attention ever since. And, and uh, thank you for sharing that. And you know that also brings us to, the, of course, the, the, the horrible day, the tragic day of September 11, 2001, um, when I know you were personally impacted uh, by that event, as many Americans were. Um, but you you were impacted in a different, in, in, in I think not a different way, but a more unique way, um, in the sense that you had direct experience um, in the in the response to to the to the Pentagon. And I would like for you to kind of tell our listeners sort of what happened that day, um, how you felt, uh, and ultimately how you ran that response as the incident commander at the Pentagon. Well, so it, it was uh, sort of a unique experience, but I, but I have to say it certainly didn't fall all on my shoulders. The, the people that participated in our unified command effort, um, the strength of the relationships that had been established uh, prior to the incident, as the 9-11 Commission cited in, the, in, in their report, um, you know, that very morning, um, before any of the airplane activity occurred in New York uh, or uh, in Arlington or Pennsylvania, uh, the Washington Field Office of the FBI was working with all of the heavy rescue squads from the Washington metropolitan area um, because we were anticipating in October of 2001, uh, we knew that the IMF World Bank meetings were going to be taking place in, in Washington, D.C. and Prior to that, those meetings had attracted a lot of protests, um, a lot of, in some cases, property damage and disruption of normal activity. And so on that very morning, the Washington Field Office, um, one of my uh, now very, very good friends and an essential partner in the response to the attack on the Pentagon, Special Agent Christopher Combs, um, was working with our heavy rescue squads on the preparations for those protests. Um, we knew that those protesters would be bringing devices to lock themselves into uh, uh, devices that would block public uh, access to roadways and buildings, and it was going to be the fire service that was going to be expected to do the extrications of those, uh, 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 those protesters. Um, three days before, on September 8th, we had done a massive uh, field exercise in Fairfax County um, the scenario was one of a chemical release, but all of the people who played, um, you know, uh, such an important role on Tuesday, September 11th, were practicing together on Saturday, September 8th, and then of course the morning of September 11th, the Bureau working with our rescue squads. So I arrived at the Pentagon um, roughly 10 minutes after the airplane uh, goes into the building, and just a few minutes later, I'm joined by Chris, uh, who's been directed there by by his squad leader. 
and we're not you know we're not doing a dance we're not trying to figure out well what are you doing here what what responsibilities do you have we already know how we're going to work together we already know um, that this is not a battle for turf this is a situation in which each of us has capabilities that the other needs um, and I think that what what you know, we did from the regional fire and rescue perspective, the law enforcement perspective, coupled with both the, what was then called the Defense Protective Service and the Pentagon, uh, the Military District of Washington who became a, a, a wonderful and essential partner later that day, uh, and of course the FBI, um, we formed a, you know, a, a unified command that wasn't just collaborating in its decisions, we were sending an enormously important message um, to the people who came from all over the country to help us, that we stood as one, that we were, you know, we were working together and this was not a place for petty battles, um, that, that everybody was going to be important to a successful outcome. And that, that just came from all that work that we had done in the years leading up to that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Jim, you know, you mentioned a very important point, which is the importance of partnerships, regionalism. Um, we talk a lot about the national capital region uh, it's not just being, you know, I think what a lot of Americans think is just Washington, D.C. It is also the surrounding areas and the importance of, of those relationships. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you define regionalism? You mentioned to me um, at, at, when we were talking recently the fact that your job is about 60% building relationships and facilitating those interactions um, between partners in the national capital region. Can you talk to us about how, how important that is to you? Yeah, well, I, you know, I think um, September 11th certainly uh, reinforced the idea um, that the kinds of problems that we have to deal with today in the homeland security sphere and uh, preparing our individual public safety organizations to deal with are problems that are not easily solvable and in almost all cases not solvable by one professional discipline uh, or one jurisdiction. So acknowledging that there is an interdependence among us, among our, uh, uh, among our organizations and our jurisdictions. Um, you know, if you look at New York and what they experienced on September 11th, obviously two 110-story high-rise buildings uh, presented a quite a different challenge than the Pentagon. Um, but nonetheless, that incident was in a fairly small, defined area of New York. In other words, the geography, the affected area, um, was, was relatively small. And yet, the city of New York, who had not in the past practiced mutual aid um, or uh, partnering with um, other jurisdictions found, them found themselves in need of outside assistance and, and struggled to incorporate that assistance into their system. So that was not a problem that we had here in the National Capital Region on September 11th. We had utilized mutual aid and uh, um, automatic aid and communications interoperability was uh, almost completed um, back in 2001. So when people arrived, they were people who had relationships and knew each other and knew what, what role they were going to play um, in the incident. Uh, the incidents have only gotten more complex. If you look at 
Um, the adversary is, is, is constantly evolving. Uh, the, the novel nature of the threats that we face um, call for us to band together because we actually don't know what the next incident is going to look like. And even if we have some experiences, even if we have some touchstones from uh, past events, something is going to be different about the next event. And we're going to have to adapt to that. And how much stronger we are in adapting um, to meet the, the, the threat if we know who to rely on. We know we don't have to carry this entire load ourselves. The, 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 there's a set of shoulders that um, you know, men and women all across the region are going to do their part. And it's not going to be about one agency or one jurisdiction. This is a very special place in the National Capital Region. There are a few others around the country that I have found that have it, um, you know, that have seen it and, and sustained this the way that we have here. You know, you mentioned obviously the uniqueness of the National Capital Region. If, if you were to give um, a, an emerging leader in emergency management or in your former fire service um, some lessons and some advice on how to be successful in your career, um, what would you say to that person? Yeah, the first thing is to always um, wake up every day with a level of healthy curiosity. Um, constantly asking yourself, uh, what is it that I don't know? And, um, you know, be open to the influence of, of others. Um, the second thing is something I don't think uh, we do enough in our day-to-day -day work, but it's essential for successful leaders who are going to work across boundaries and um, truly collaborate, and that is practice empathy. Understanding um, the shoes, you know, the experiences of somebody sitting next to you or across the table from you, and thinking about the, the issue or problem that you're trying to solve from their perspective. They may wear a uniform that is different than yours, either in uh, what their core mission is, or maybe it's a, a uniform they do the same job, but they do it in a different, different jurisdiction. Practicing empathy enables you to put yourself in their place and see the problem from their perspective. I know when I think about um, people that do come from different disciplines, um, I like to point out that we will oftentimes look at the exact same images that present the problem to us and process them in different ways. We will, we will process them in ways that are attuned to how we've been trained to look at a problem like that. A law enforcement officer will look at an act of terrorism, um, you know, through where's the bad guy, uh, you know, how do I start collecting evidence, how do I secure the scene. Um, an EMS person will be looking at the casualties and how they can maximize their, uh, you know, their, their meager resources in the early stages of an incident to do the most good for the most people. The, Firefighters will be looking to gain control of hazardous materials and the threat of fire and collapse and those sorts of things. And yet we're all looking at the same images. So the more we can ahead of that, um, you know, understand how, acknowledge and understand how others are going to look at that. Um, I think, you know, th those are important ways for, uh, you know, leaders to continue, in this space at least, um, to really think about the work that they're doing. Great advice. Uh, Jim Schwartz, Deputy County Manager, Arlington County, Virginia, former Fire Chief, Arlington County Chief. Thank you for being with us. Today. Pleasure, Chris. Thank you.
This podcast is brought to you by Muriel Bowser, Mayor of Washington, D.C., and the District of Columbia Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency.